another great episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast. If you don't know by now, my name is Christopher Brown and I will be your host today. Since the launch of the podcast, I've been asked the same thing. Why do you do this? And I give everyone the exact same answer. This podcast is about talking to people in an intimate setting and just having a discussion. Today, we often find ourselves becoming keyboard warriors and have forgotten the lost art of having a conversation. So with that in mind, I started this podcast to achieve one goal, get people talking again with no notes, no questions. I sit down with subjects to learn from them about them. Today, we continue our special series of episodes with the Green Party of Canada leadership candidates. Today, we have Dylan Percival Maxwell. Dylan and I talk about his entry into the Green Party of Canada leadership, how he envisions the Green Party of Canada under his leadership, and how he's been connecting with voters during COVID-19. So sit back and enjoy cross-border interviews featuring Dylan Percival Maxwell. So Dylan, I, I start every interview with the same question, so you're no ex- exception. Where does your sense of duty come from? Well, that's a great question. It's a different one. Um, my um, my dad and, and my grandparents, like my dad was Dean of Arts at McGill, and he didn't want to be Dean of Arts. He, he just wanted to be a professor, but it was his sense of duty. And he comes from, like he went to Eton my, his father was a, was the Speaker of the Senate, actually, in Northern Ireland. And he, he grew up in a 52-room house um, with, you know, eight house servants before the war. But during the war, of course, they, they, they gave everything. They gave the oldest son, the Rolls Royce, uh, everything they could, which made sense, uh, even from a practical point of view, because they lost the war. And uh, my, my, on, my, on my mom's side also, uh, it was a Jew, my grandfather on my mom's side was a Jewish baron in Hungary, which is rare. Um, but but I really got it from my from my dad because you know the, the he grew up obviously privileged and and hopefully people who who, who grow up privileged have a, a strong sense of duty uh, which you know the upper class in England maybe I'm maybe it's too much to say they generally do but our family def- definitely did and in, in fact our my grandfather. He was he, he lost his his uh, seat because he was honest because um, you know he was asked to do some favors uh, you know some sort of corrupt favors and he said no so they replaced him as a candidate and he got in trouble for uh, for hiring Catholics and got very angry about that um, so even though I'm sure if you go back five hundred years because I was there five hundred years I'm sure I'm sure that horrible stuff went on but in, in the more recent Fast. Our, our family is very honorable, and uh, they, they they gave me a, my dad gave me a strong sense of duty. And to so me, a good leader, but leadership for me, a good leader doesn't do it for their own self. They don't do it for ego or or, or power. A good leader um, inspires people he's leading and does what they want to do, and that's part of my policy. You know, I, I believe in I believe now is not the 18th century, and we have internet. And we should, you know, for every bill that comes up to, towards the House of Commons, that people in, in each MP's riding should vote on, on the Internet on whether they like that bill or not. You could even make a test to make sure they read the bill. And I don't think we should necessarily have the MPs obliged to follow what the people want, but they should at least be some sort of pressure. And because one of the things is that if, if, 
We need to do radical change for the environment. But if we don't bring the people along, if, if it's the elite saying we got to do this and telling people what to do, there's going to be a backlash. So kind of what happened with Obama and Trump, you know? So we have to have public support. And that's all part of that's all part of duty and, and being a good leader is is, uh, is not telling people what to do, but inspiring them. And, and where does your where, where did your journey to the Green Party begin? When did your journey to the Green Party begin? I should say that's a great question. Um, so my brother, my brother in the it was an election, a provincial election with uh, Pierre Mark Johnson, who's uh, anyway, he uh he was a sort of non-separatist leader of the PQ. But so my brother decided to run because we all both cared about the environment. I spent two days working on his campaign. My brother spent two days working. And this woman, Graciela, spent two days working. And we got a thousand votes. He got a thousand votes. The liberals got a thousand five hundred and the PQ got, sorry, they got 10,500, the liberals, and the PQ got 10,000. So the PQ realized that if they got our green votes, they would have won. And it only took us six days kind of work to do that. And the one thing, you know, we need to take action in our lives. We can't just rely on politicians, but we do need good laws and good infrastructure to be green. And the one thing that the politicians care about are their votes, their votes and money. So that's why I got involved in green politics. If we can take those votes, they want to take those votes back. They'll steal our ideas. And particularly in Quebec, it was very hard to get this in federal politics. So... There was a need for it, you know. They were, there was nobody there. There were many elections. There was one election. There was, I think, six candidates in Quebec. In in the 2000 election, I actually got the best result ever for the Green Party because I came in third. And in that election, there was 110 out of 365 candidates. Um, you know, and and if I don't know if anybody would have ran. Well, in my riding, probably somebody would have ran. But it was very few people running in Quebec and even in Canada at that point. And now, if I'm not mistaken, that was the uh, election that you ran against the leader of the Bloc Québécois, Gilles Deceppe, correct? I, I ran against the, uh, Gilles Deceppe, I think, uh, five times. I think all, all but once. And, and the, the only election I didn't, I was uh, I was uh, running in Laval, um, just, and I actually went out to Elizabeth May. That was when Elizabeth May won, and I, I flew out to B, BC and helped her campaign. I was a a paper candidate here in Quebec. Um, and I think that's another thing I want to campaign on is that we need to do that. I mean, if somebody wants to campaign in their own riding, that's great. But basically, we should focus our energy on the ridings that we can win, which means candidates in, in ridings in, in, in Quebec who are not going to win should, should go to wherever, even another province, to campaign for people who could actually win. Now, in 20, the 2019 election happened, and uh, Madam May decided to step down. Uh, many pundits were shocked, but some weren't surprised because she had been the leader for almost 10 years. Uh, you decided to put your name forward for the leadership. Why? Yes. Well, because unlike, I mean, we got some really good candidates, and I like I like most of them. Um, but I have a history of, of, of being able to see the future and finding great ideas to actually make a difference. So I think personally, if I was leader, not only would I would I retire if I didn't get close to double her votes or double her seats, but I think even, with, even without um, any election, I could bring Canada's CO2 emissions back down to 1990 levels. 
there's something called um, biochar. Have you ever heard of biochar? Yep. Yeah. Well, I, I spent years, five years in Asia, you know, going door to door, hut to hut, to remote villages in China and Vietnam, you know, selling the, these stoves, not not at a profit, um, because it, they're so efficient and it's such a, a natural way. It's kind of like geoengineering, but it's it's natural. It's what happens in a forest fire. Um, and like, if you want to get rid of forest fires in Canada, the way to do it is to gather up all the wood, all the, all, all the you know, the waste wood, and um, well, it's not wasted in the forest, but gather it up, turn it into biochar, and put the biochar back in the ground. Then we're just mimicking the natural cycle, but without actually having the fire, forest fires. But if we bury 537 gigatons of biochar, which is a huge amount, not we, we would bring ourselves back to pre-industrial levels. You know, nobody else is talking about this, or very few people, I should say. But we don't always, we don't have to stop incre- uh, stop increasing. Everyone talks about you know stopping the increase that we put out every year. We have to go negative. We have to bring it back to the way it was before. The climate is already in a, in a terrible state, and millions of people are dying and suffering because of the climate. And we can do this. This is the thing. Um, Trudeau, you know, he wants to stop climate change, but he doesn't have the guts. He doesn't have the faith in in, in, in Canadians, and he doesn't. Um, and he keeps on going down the same path. It's like you always go to work on on the same road, and you never look to the side and, and see the beautiful path that you could be taking that would be there quicker. You know, these 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 solutions exist. I was the first person to rent a car in vegetable oil in Canada. I mean. I think somebody was doing it in the 70s, and I'm, you know, first person in the 90s. You know, I said, um, but it is, it's a very, it's, it's a free. You know, you run, when you run your car in vegetable, you get it from restaurants and stuff. It's free, and people thought it was, people thought it was a joke. But these solutions exist. It's just we gotta do it. And, and anybody can go ahead and do it. If you want a car that doesn't run on gasoline, when I can buy electric, but for, you know, going back for whenever, you could buy a diesel and put vegetable in it. And now my next car is gonna run on wood, which makes biochar, so it's carbon negative. These, these solutions exist. And I'm the only candidate who, who really, who has these ideas and wanna do them now, like, like COVID. You know, we failed, Taiwan, we had seven deaths. I had seven, I heard 12 deaths with COVID. And the 26 million people were 37 because they prepared. Okay, so there's a few things that I want to uh, break into there. So you, you just said that you would you would resign as the leader if uh, in the next election you didn't double the vote as uh, what Green, uh, Elizabeth May had in this, uh, the 2019 election, correct? Hello? I'd be happy, and I, and I wouldn't. If I got, it, it, she got six point um, five. If I got, you know, six point nine or seven point one or something like that, I would definitely resign. Because, you know, I hope I don't win. I mean, now I don't know, but like I'm hoping. You know, I was hoping there'd be some sort of Barack Obama type character who'd come out and and can do a better job than me. Like, and if I don't do a great job, which I believe I could, uh, then sure, I would definitely resign. And you know we can get that because 37% of the people don't vote. That's more like 36% of the people in 2019 voted liberal, and 37% didn't vote. 
I can get those people who don't vote out because I'm not like a regular politician. And, so how do you, you how know. do you get those people out? Because let's let, let between you and I and the people who are listening, uh, voter voter apathy is just at the an all time low. People just do not want to go out and not vote because they believe that politicians are corrupt. They don't trust them. So how do you as uh, Dylan? Bring those thirty-six percent of people, uh, Canadians, out to the vote, uh, ballot box when apathy is so low. First of all, if I'm continue, if I pass the the, the scrutiny of this week, I'm going to be giving out hopefully millions of masks. If, you know, recyclable green recyclable masks. If you donate uh, to, to my campaign, half that money will all the money that. Uh, all the money, basically, except for the 25% the Green Party takes, is going to go to buying masks, which I'll give out for free to the population. A study in Yale just uh, came up with the results that every mask saves between four to $6,000 US. It's crazy that the Canadian government is not giving out free recycled masks to every citizen. You know, And this is stuff we can do. I don't even have to be the leader of the Green Party to do it. Um, but of course, I, it is easy to do. It, it's a lot easier to do if I am the leader of the Green Party, and it's a lot easier to do if I'm uh, if I'm an official candidate, which hopefully I will be next week. So this is the thing: how do you get those people to vote? You you can show up at the door, and you and you well, showing up at the door is a little bit difficult in this situation. But you give them you give them a mask, and then they see, you know, like I live in in Outremont, riding, where where Tom McClare won. He's a liberal riding forever. He won. Okay, you know, he had a good. He's he's a good politician, and and he he had a good history. But they went door to door for four years, you know. And people came to my door, and I've never seen anybody else come to my door. And and so when so when election time comes, and you go, oh yeah, I remember three years ago, Dylan came to my door, and he gave me a free mask. So maybe I'll go vote for this guy. Because because he didn't seem like the other politicians. He doesn't talk like the other politicians. He doesn't look like the other politicians, and he doesn't act like the other politicians. And that's also you got to get in the news every day, you know. And you got to do silly stuff to get in the news. Like Boris Johnson, before every interview, he messes up his hair. You know, he's you know I don't like I use this example of I don't like Boris Johnson. I don't like Trump. But but you have to learn from everyone, uh, you know, what works and what doesn't work. And. The reason why Trump got elected is a better reason, but one of them is because he's he wasn't a regular politician, and and he and people wanted to shake things up, and I don't know, I don't know, I, not not every, I mean, I like I like almost everyone in 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 the running, uh, and um, but and I don't know, I, I think maybe Amita is not a regular politician, uh, and this guy out of BC reminds me of myself, maybe not. Um, but uh, most of the people running are, uh, are regular politicians. I mean, five out of ten of us are lawyers. You know, uh, people don't. I mean, I can understand. You know, people voting for somebody. You know, the politicians write laws, and so there's some some logic that we have a lot of lawyers. But but that's not going to get the people. That's not going to get the non-voters. I mean, it's going to get. They're more likely to win this election for leadership because the people in the Green Party they want somebody respectable and normal. Because people, people's sense of self worth is the most important thing. That's the main reason why rapist Trump got elected. Is that people see somebody 
stupid up there, and they go, look, that guy's he, he can speak English worse than me. I mean, I never, I don't know, I have a speech impediment, but I've never seen anybody speak English as badly as Trump. I mean, he, he can't make a grammatical sentence. But people look at him, and they go, look, he, he, he can speak worse than me, and he's super rich, and, you know, it shows, it, it, this will show the, the elites. I love Gore, and Kerry, well, I don't love Kerry, but Kerry wasn't bad too, and, you know, but the reason why people don't vote for Gore, Kerry, Ignatif is, is because, or Dion, who I like as well, is because they, they, it doesn't help people's sense of self-worth. They hear people using big words and, and they run away. I talked to a Trump supporter um, a few months ago and he said, well, when the Democrats speak, I don't understand. And, and when Trump speaks, I understand. Now, I got work to do on that as well. But I mean, it depends who you're speaking to. Like, I assume your audience is educated. Um, but I, I mean, French, I don't have to worry about using big words and, and sounding elitist. But, you know, I told you about my background, but I also, I've lived on the street from, on, on purpose, you know, and I, I didn't let money touch my hands. And I have, I have a lot of friends who are street people. And, and so I, I can relate and I can, uh, to, to all types of people. Um, I come from an elite background in a way, but um, I've always my dad, and then my dad saw that in me as well. Like he, he only really socialized with other elite people, but he was always he always brought up his brother, who was friends with garbage men and elite people, and and brought it up as an example. And I don't know why I'm ended up with such a diverse group of friends, um, but I but I I do have a very diverse group of friends, and and you have to connect. To the people on the street like if you wear most people don't wear ties you know so i don't know in debate i'll probably wear ties but maybe i won't i, I have to maybe uh tone down some of my uh, my natural uh, desire to be flamboyant i mean if you're big if you're flamboyant you get attention so that's good but you also don't want to seem different from people you know so- so the question is, what are you hearing from Canadians right now? I'm assuming you're talking to Canadians. With COVID-19, you're probably not talking to them as you probably want it to by crisscrossing the country and talking to them one-on-one. But you've probably found different ways to reach out to uh, Canadians. So what are you hearing from Canadians across uh, Canada right now? Well, this you know, the first thing that makes me think of is, is, is the people who, who, who say, well, what's the Green Party? And I go, you know, like a woman in a health food store, you know, and I go, well, you know what the Liberal Party is, you know, the Conservative Party. And they go, yes, well, the Green Party is kind of like that, but we're, we're environmental. And they'll go, oh, you know, or, or um, uh, you know, the Green Party is like, oh, you mean Greenpeace? <laughs> so you're starting from very basic, when you, when you get out, uh, this is one of my other criticisms of, 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 of is, is that, People live in their own bubbles, and you got to get out of that bubble. Otherwise, you're just going to have that bubble, and you're just going to be talking to that bubble of your friends. Um, so people are not really talking about politics that much. I mean, they're talking. I mean, they're talking about COVID now, and some people are talking about, um, you know, having restrictions of freedoms and wanting to socialize, and other people are talking about how we got to be more more restrictive. But some things are simple and should be easy to agree on. In the States, you have problems with this, like masks. We should all be wearing masks. Um, 
So, I mean, right now, COVID, obviously, again, in the Green Party debates, there's not much talk about COVID. But in the street, it's all COVID. I mean, when I, that was kind of frustrating for me because when I, uh, you know, they, they made me before as a fair candidate, I had to do a news release. And I didn't really bother because at the time, the, literally, you know, CBC News, you know, the national was 100% COVID. So there was really no interest for anything else. Um, now it's beginning. Now there's some other news creeping back. And yeah. Maybe I should have. But uh, <laughs> so how are you connecting? How are you connecting with uh, Canadians right now during the COVID nineteen pandemic? Well, with Facebook, which drives me crazy, I, I actually started a, a new uh, social, green social network called Carbon Face. You can go to carbonface.ca and see what we're doing. And then the actual social network is carbonface.org. But it's just started. It's, it's a carbon sequestration, sequestration, um, uh, sequestration, sorry, that's my speech problem coming up, um, uh, site. So... Like I work with these people in Thailand, where they they give farmers a way to burn their crop residue, so they uh, without smoke and to make biochar. So you can you can give money. There's so people who bury biochar, get a credit, uh, a token, and then you can buy that token from them. And so anyway, I'm, I'm getting maybe off topic, but but I've been I've, I've been communicating with Facebook. I hate Facebook. I think Facebook is evil. Um, I mean that's a strong word. I'm using it in a joking fashion, but I mean. I don't think Trump would have been elected if it wasn't for Facebook. I, the number one emotion that, uh, that Facebook brings is jealousy. Um, so I'm trying to bring a, a better uh, social network, green social network, that has you know all the good things about Facebook and all the, the bad things. And it's very, it's very frustrating. I mean, within the first, I started my campaign basically a week before the lockdown. I got 25 signatures in a week, very easily. And then I spent the rest of the next two months trying to get people on Facebook to do it because it's very easy to ignore. I mean, when you, you don't even have control who sees your posts. Um, and then, so I was direct messaging everyone. Um, and that basically took up all my time. And now now that I've got my signatures, my nominations, I'm, I'm branching out. Uh, I gotta get more into Twitter because I've never really been into Twitter. I don't really like social media very much. Um, but we don't really have a choice uh, nowadays. Well, and I, I'm fully in favor of getting rid of social media. Don't get me wrong. I know it is a tool that everyone uses, but the amount of negativity that's on social media today is just, it's mind boggling. Yeah, and I'm seeing that firsthand now, which I never saw before. I always heard people talk about it. Uh, but, you know, I was sort of, you know, now I have, you know, I'm, I'm responding to all these I look who who has you know fifty similar friends, and I'm befriending them, hoping that they're a member of the Green Party, which they often are. And then I'll email them. I mean, I'm not doing this really anymore, but asking them to nominate me, and I got some very rude responses. Not that many, but uh, it's still, it's uh, I'm beginning to see how rude people are willing to be on online. Yeah, well, if they don't see you face to face, they're willing to be more negative towards you than if they if you were standing in front of them during an actual campaign, right? Yeah, and I usually wait. Like they have to do something. Like somebody wish me a happy birthday, and I, you know, wish them, "Hey, can you join the Green Party?" And then they get angry at me. It's like, well, it's like I don't know you. It's like, well, if you don't know me, how can you wish me a happy birthday? <laughs> if you don't want me to talk to you, fine, don't wish me a happy birthday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, understandable. Now uh, let's let's talk about some policies that you're putting uh, bringing forward to the leadership race. Um, 
there are certain ones that I want to talk about just in general, but uh, what are some of the policies that you have that you want to, if you were elected Green Party leader uh, in October, what would you want to bring forward to help the Green Party potentially win more seats and potentially government in the next election? Well, I like to focus on what we can actually get done. Um, I don't... I, I'm not really focused on, on, on getting votes and winning seats. I think that if you help people out, it'll come back to you. Like the one person who hit the person who, the, the people who, who gave the most of my campaign are the people I gave money to. You know, I had a friend who had a health problem. I gave her $200. So when, when it came time to donate to the Green Party, he's like, well, I'll give you four. You helped me out when I was in need, you know? And, and so if we give people masks, um, and uh, and and uh, and we we actually do things, and then people will see that and see we're not like regular politicians, and and they'll support us. And we we should do things. We should oppose. And I want our, our policies to be stolen. Just like I've done a lot of things. I was the first person to sell hemp in in, in Quebec and and food in England, and then people followed me. Be, um, so, like for example. So I want to put in laws that, that everyone can agree on. For example, you know, I, I used to be a business owner, and the number one thing that would stop me from hiring people and stops most business owners, where most jobs are created, hiring people, is the bureaucracy. There's, not, there's, there's five federal taxes and four provincial taxes, or vice versa, for every pe- person I pay, right? So it's like going to a store, and you, you pay for a banana, you get your change, you pay for an apple, and you get your change, and you pay for your raisins, and you get your change. It makes no sense. So I would have to calculate for every three hours somebody – if I had to hire somebody for three hours, I would do it sweeping the store. I would do it myself compared to hiring somebody and have to calculate nine different taxes for those three hours. And what's crazy is that money goes to the same people. So I calculate, okay, I got um, you know uh, $2.50 – um, medical insurance, and I have um, five dollars and eighty cents of this other tax, and then I add them together, and I send that check to the government. You know, so I think all political parties could agree. Well, why doesn't the government just say, okay, you pay us, you know, twenty percent or fifty percent, and then uh, we work it out and we divide it up to go into these different sections? I mean, they, they, it happens because when they make a new tax. They don't want to make it seem like a new tax. So they say, okay, this is for medical insurance. So we're adding an extra 3% of, uh, uh, fee for medical insurance. And we'll keep it separate so everyone can see that this is medical insurance and it's not. But in, the, in reality, it just makes ridiculous bureaucracy that stops commerce and wastes people's time. And like, I love running the store when I had my stores, but I hated the main reason I didn't reopen and I sold it after there was a fire was because of the proxy. I mean, every day I got two, three letters from the government. I mean, why? <laughs> and that's another thing. We have to get rid of income taxes. Um, I mean, everyone, you know, Dion tried to do this green shift and people didn't really understand it. So it was it, the concept was good, but I prefer to say no income tax because people can understand that and i like to see the conservatives say no 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 we want income tax we love income tax you know it's like who likes income tax nobody people under making making under thirty thousand dollars should not be paying income tax they shouldn't even have to bother doing taxes you know and it's, it's a very you know it's supposed to be progressive and helping the poor and taxing the rich and the in 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 reality, it's the opposite. I don't have to pay taxes in the first, my first $60,000 of income because I'm a landlord. 
and I'm allowed to deduct 3% of the value of the property for depreciation, depreciation, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Even if I spend $100,000 a year on each property, no matter how much I improve the the property, I'm allowed to legally say it's, it's worth less and therefore defer that taxes and I don't plan, my, my buildings make money, I don't plan to ever sell them. So I'm basically referring these taxes till I'm dead. And and in my store, you know, people, so I wanna get rid of that, even though it'd be horrible for me. And I don't, I don't take full advantage of it because I could literally say I make no money, you know, even though I'm a millionaire. It's crazy and it's all legal. And like in my store, people that's like, uh, who said this, uh, famous, uh, U.S. businessman, you know, the people working in my store making $15 an hour were paying more tax than I was. You know, it's, it's insane. And so I think, I, and so I want to do things that we can actually get done, things that all parties can agree on. And if they see us doing things, then they might vote for us. But we, we need, I mean, people don't pay attention to that stuff. They'll pay attention. I mean, the, the, the people hiring people will pay attention if they have to pay less tax, but they'll, they'll, everyone pay attention if they get a, um, a mask, a mask. I mean, right now we're paying $4 for being made by recycled material here in Montreal. I'm sourcing some, some ecological masks in, in China. They cost like 50 cents over there. I mean, it probably cost $2 delivered, but we can afford to give that to every Canadian. Every Canadian should have one. And if they have one, they will be more likely to use it. Less people get COVID. I mean, we, we do have to concentrate on COVID now. You know, some people want to open things up, but if you open everything up, you know, still the restaurants are going to be empty because people are going to be scared. You have to get rid of the actual problem. And we don't want to wait for a virus, uh, for a, um, um, a vaccine. Realistically, it's going to be next spring. Yeah, no, understandable. It, like, COVID seems to be uh, the never-ending story that is going to be 2020 until we get a vaccine where we are not going to going to go back to the quote-unquote normal of society, I believe. No, I don't think we'll ever fully go back. And, you know, <laughs> I have a magazine at home from, from November 2019. The cover says, it's a French magazine, Pandemic. You know, we knew this was going to happen, but it's just like climate change. The government is like, they just keep on doing what they're doing and not preparing for the future, not listening to the scientists, you know? And, and I think a green uh, prime minister would have done better. I think I would have done better. I knew a pandemic was coming. Uh, I didn't do any real preparation because what could I do? I mean, I was thinking of getting a lot of food, but I mean, that wasn't a problem. We didn't, you know, we still go to stores and get food. And I was thinking, well, maybe I should be prepared to go up to my brothers in the country. But I was like, well, you can stay in town and be by yourself just as easy as you can in the country. So I, I thought about it. I thought about what I can do to prepare, but I didn't do anything because there was nothing really for me to do. But if I was prime minister, I damn well hope I, hope I would have prepared like Taiwan. And Taiwan didn't have a problem. Taiwan is And they have seven deaths. And they, had the, they were the first people coming there. And this, we can really see, I mean, this is one of the things to convince people to vote, is, is now they can see in their life the difference of having a good government or a bad government. The, the good governments, they don't have, they don't really have COVID. New Zealand, Taiwan, pretty much all places run by women. And the terrible leaders like Trump, the worst place in the world is America, Brazil, and Russia. And what do they have in common? They have Abu, it is, so I don't know Vlad, 
and Vladimir is an idiot, or he's just evil. But but definitely Trump and, and Bolsonaro are idiots. And, and and this is direct result of them being idiots. If they were smart people who listened to science and, sp- and thought of the future, like the, the, the prime minister of Taiwan, they would be 100. If they had a similar rate to those countries in Asia, uh, there's somebody grouping together like uh, New Zealand, Australia, Taiwan, Hong Kong, they would be 100 deaths in America, not 100,000. Yeah. No, understandable. Now, getting back to the income tax, I, I find your proposal quite interesting, and I want to dive deep into it. You say anyone under the anyone making an over uh, anyone making thirty thousand dollars thirty thousand dollars or under a year, they yeah. should not pay income tax. Yeah. I'm assuming you're in favor of uh, taxing the wealthy a little bit more, correct? Well, yes, not necessarily changing the tax rate. Getting rid of the loopholes, okay. like like my, my tax, you know, on paper I don't make much every year, but I'm a millionaire, and I've never made much in a year, and this is because of the this is because of the the capital cost allowance, which is a loophole written by the rich for the rich, and and then there's some reasons for it, but they're not good reasons. But basically, I want to switch taxes, <laughs> you know, the, the the green shift, as Dion said, and nobody understood. Um, I want to get rid of all taxes, all income taxes for everyone. They should be wealth taxes, but they shouldn't be income taxes. Like I had to go through hell as a store figuring out my income every year, and every little widget that I would never sell was counted as income, and it was, it doesn't make any sense. So, but we should tax back. So if you're environmental, you don't pay any tax. If you ride a bike uh, and eat vegetarian food, you don't, you know, and, and live in a small space and heat with, with something ecological, you don't pay tax. So, so but if you, if you drive a Hummer um, and you have three boats and 10 houses um, that you, you, you know, keep empty for, for when you visit what, twice a year, then you pay, you pay taxes. And there's other things like the Tobin tax, like, like a, a tax on financial transactions. And there's, there's other ways to raise money besides income tax. But I, I don't believe, I believe you need public support for everything. So, uh, and I don't want to scare people. So, you know, people say you're going to get rid of income tax. People will be scared. Well, what are you going to do? You know? So I, I, I believe in starting slowly and being flexible. If I see something, this is one thing about, you know, I like how the Greens are not left, not right, but forward. Because you look at actually what works. And if we try something and it doesn't work, then maybe we could do something else. And you look around what in the world has worked. Like Portugal, they lowered their heroin addiction by, by over 50%, right? By legalizing and by legalizing drugs. So you look, and, and then you look at countries like Malaysia, where you get executed and they got a terrible drug problem, which never gotten better, right? So you, you look at what works. And if there is nothing that works, then you try something new, but you, you remain flexible. So I think you start with the, the low people. I, mean, I know people who make $22,000 a year and pay $8,000 tax. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Then that's about what I pay. You know, so. Yeah. Now, um, earlier this year, I think actually about uh, two, three weeks ago, the parliamentary leader in the House of Commons for the Green Party of Canada, Elizabeth May, uh, said, and I quote, oil is dead. Uh, as an Albertan, uh, you can imagine that people in this province were not too happy with that. What's your opinion on uh, our oil sands and also the oil industry moving forward? 
Right. Well, I think I think that was I think it was a reporter asked her if oil is dead, and she said yes. And um, I don't know what I would do in the same situation. I'd probably say yes. I mean, but I believe you do have to be gradual. I believe that you know it's kind of like the horse and buggy uh, oil is it, is going, and it's kind of like the the cod fishery in in, in, um, in the east, and they did that wrong. They could have. They should have banned all big boats way before and let anybody who wanted to go cod fishing, but with a line, you know. Uh, and I mean, there would be less people do it. It's like, so for the, for example, for for the um, uh, for the pipelines, right? I believe, yeah, build a pipeline. But if it leaks, everyone involved goes to jail. Not to say for a long time, but for six months, right? The the, the CEO, the people working in the fields and stuff. And they would say, well, we can't do that. We're not going to build a pipeline. It'd be too, they could build a pipeline that doesn't leak. But guess what? It's too expensive. So in other words, the economics don't make sense. You know, the, the, they just spend government to spend $1.7 billion, you know, cleaning up after the oil industry. Like, I make fuel for free. You know, I take, I take wood. I gasify it. I use that gas. I shouldn't be using that gas to run a car. I use that gas to cook. I make put the bio fuel, uh, biofuel in the car. I use I do the same thing to heat my hot tub, and I don't get any government subsidy. Okay, you know this gasification. Um, like people, you know, been running was running a lot of cars used to run it, run on it during the Second World War, and then recently the, the technology is improved by ex policeman with absolutely no funding, right? And we're competing with with with. Uh, huge organizations with billions and billions of dollars and subsidized with billions and billions of dollars. Like I used to, we opened a garage at one point converting cars to run in vegetable oil. When the price, this was, uh, I don't know, the late 90s, or probably early 2000s, the price of oil was high and we, we had a lot of customers. The price of oil went down, bang, all the customers went away and we closed the shop. <laughs> because we can't, I can't compete, I can make fuel, I can make energy. Um, and so can anybody, you know, um, and you don't need a lot of investment even. But we can't compete with these companies which already have billions of dollars and who wish to continue to get subsidies. But so if the oil, you know, we start off by saying no new oil sand development. We start off by saying, well, if you want to build a pipeline, if it leaks, you go to jail. If you if you start a company and you, and you can't afford to clean up after yourself, you go to jail. That's how we start. And then we find the jobs for people who are who are laid off. We, we, we take the money we're saving by not, but we, we, we have the resources. And I don't believe in going to deficit. I prefer not to go into deficit, but it's not the end of the world, especially at these low rates. I'm, 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 I, I, I don't know if I would, I kind of call myself a fiscal conservative, but it's, it's, it's um, you know, the debt we have to the environment is more important than the debt we have to uh, you know that we that we're borrowing, and, and this this crisis shows you what we can do. We need to do. Now, I'm not saying it won't be problems in the future, and, and and one of the unique situations is most countries in the world are in the same situation. So if you have one country suddenly borrowing a lot of money and the other countries aren't, and their currency goes down and causes problems. But I think we can afford to retrain everyone in the oil industry to do jobs that they prefer to do and get paid just as much. Um, we don't want to suddenly lay everyone off. We want to appreciate, like, how much money is coming from a birder into the rest of Canada all these years? Well, we should give it all back because now you guys need it and, and you guys deserve it. And you can't, 
you know, if, 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 if we go and say, oh, you guys, you messed everything up, you, you know, you can't tell somebody who's been working, doing something, doing the best, doing the best job they can for the last 40 years, you've been doing bad. These people who work in the oil fields, they're just trying to do a good job. They're trying to do a good thing. They're not trying to do a bad thing. And if they didn't do that job, somebody else would do that job. So you, you can't blame them, but you gotta you gotta give them, and, and you gotta appreciate all the money that the rest of Canada has gotten from those oil sands, um, and reinvest that into uh, you know the the technology stuff. I mean, the, Alberta was investing in new technology and in, in the, you know uh, um, high tech startups, and then they stopped. Um, and farming. You know, that's a huge thing for, for, for Alberta, and that's where we can win seats there. We need, like I'm talking about bearing biochar. The farmers, they do a lot for the environment, and they can be the ones putting that, that, that carbon back in the ground. We need to pay them. You know, there's lots of jobs on the farm, but they don't pay well, so we import people from, from other places. But if we, if we paid them, if we give them credit for the carbon, if we, if we encourage them to farm in a different way and give them money for doing so, then they can afford to pay people good money and people could work on a farm rather than an oil rig, which they probably would prefer. Now, um, I'm assuming you're in favor of a carbon levy, correct? Yes. Okay. Um, so this prime minister, Justin Trudeau, introduced a carbon levy last election. Um, scientists and economists are around the world, or even here in Canada, I should say, will say that the price on carbon that uh, Justin Trudeau put on, uh, put in place, is not enough to potentially curb the uh, curb the emissions that are currently going out. You've talked about you want to go back to the 1990s level. So is are you advocating for potentially increasing the carbon levy to about $200 a barrel or $200 per ton, as some economists are saying that needs to be done to potentially go back to that 1990 level and uh, obtain our uh, Paris Accord uh, standards that we need to meet? Well, if you buy right now with my website, you, you can buy um, uh, carbon sequestration for, for $10 per ton. And the actual price that you have to pay these farmers in Thailand to do it is about $87 a ton. Um, so, you you know, we should be using real science and real numbers. So it should at least be $87 a ton because that's sort of the minimum price I found that we have to pay people to bury carbon. Um, it has to go up, yes. Now, I don't, I can understand doing it slowly. Um, and I don't know if everyone's getting checks. Did you get a check in the mail from the Canadian government saying saying here's your? Uh, I did not. Your, your, because and that's what they did in BC. You know, in BC they have a carbon tax. In Quebec we have some sort of carbon tax, but it's hidden and nobody knows about it. Nobody realizes it. But in BC they actually gave people checks. My understanding of so if you got a a check for four hundred dollars, you were like, okay, well this is not so bad. I don't really notice when I go to the pump. I guess it's more expensive, but I do notice it's four hundred dollars. So you have to give that money back to people. So they don't feel like there's another tax, uh, and and you know, or, or that's what I'm saying. Like you get rid of income tax. You say, okay, well, you got this carbon tax, but we don't have any more income tax. It's like, well, that's not so bad. I mean, people are afraid of change, but we need change. So yes, we we do need a bigger uh, carbon tax, but at least it's the start. So now, but 
you have to look at it as a fiscal conservative as well, because if you're reducing the price of uh, the income tax, if you're trying to scrub away the income tax completely for everyone, you have to make up that price somewhere else. So what are you in favor of? Slashing the budget in uh, some of the field, some of the departments that are currently there, or are you looking at potentially picking up that shortfall another way, whether it be a GST increase or whether it be a, like you said, increasing the carbon levy to potentially $87 per ton. Yeah, so increasing carbon, lots of ways, and you see which ones work best. Yeah, increasing carbon level, uh, GST, well, they should be increased in bad tax, but not good tax. So, for example, if you go to, uh, people should be able to buy meat, but it, and sometimes meat's actually more environmental than, 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 than uh, vegetarian options. But, you know, they should be, if you go to a restaurant and buy a vegan meal, they shouldn't be any tax. If you go to a haircut, they shouldn't get a haircut. They shouldn't be any 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 GST because, you know, getting a haircut. Okay, somebody's heating that heating that building, but there's not really any environmental damage in getting a haircut, right? It's a service. So we should be taxing bads, not goods, and we shouldn't be taxing services. Okay. So, but we so it's it's a shift. You know, is you 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 tax you, you I I believe in in yeah I think we could borrow more than we well now we're borrowing a huge amount. But we're in a good situation for a while. I mean, the photo borrow more than we did. Um, but I'm not. I'm. I'm not. I'm not. I don't consider myself left. So probably most people would. Um, and I do believe in, in having balanced budgets, if possible. And I think we can just we just move things around as long as people don't feel like more money's coming from them. If they see, okay, I'm paying more for gas, but I'm getting this five hundred dollar check, I think they'll be okay with it. Some won't, but I think. As I said, every law, there should be a vote on every law. So you say, okay, we want to raise the carbon tax, but we want to give everyone a check of $1,000 and, and, and let people vote on it. Do you want the $1,000 check? That's true. Um, the question, the, the next question I have for you is, how do you, a person from, uh, I'm assuming downtown uh, Montreal, correct? Yeah, yeah yes. How, how do you connect with the rural voter? Because... Uh, when when you look at elections, they want uh, the electorate Canadians want someone who they can have a beer with, who can they they can actually connect with, uh, uh-huh. and, and sometimes they can find uh, elect uh, Canadians uh, will be disenfranchised by party leaders who are from urban centers when they're from rural uh, when the uh, average Canadian is from a not urban center and they're from rural Canada. So how do you, an urban center resident of Canada, connect with the urban uh, the res uh, the rural voter in all of Canada, like in Montreal, in in Manitoba, in Quebec, in uh, Nova Scotia, in Ontario, but here in Alberta? So how do you connect with the rural voter? Right. Well, for one, to give them farm money for, for green farming. Um, for one, understanding, uh, you know, I've done I've done farming in my life, and I've done you know agricultural experiments, but I, I don't pretend to understand um, uh, uh, what it is to be a cattle farmer. Ironically, my dad, who I talked about coming from this aristocratic background, he was he was a cowboy actually, and he, he used to lasso cattle in in in, uh, in Alberta, um, but. Uh, you know, you got to talk plainly. I think at least in French. I mean, my my, my French is is problematic. I, I speak French, but it is 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 uh, I have a speech impediment. So, but at least I don't speak in big words. I won't. I don't come off as as um, as too posh when I speak French. Um, but to speak in normal terms, to dress like they dress, 
like rather than dress in a suit and tie to go out there and, and meet them and spend time with them and, and listen to them and don't talk down to them. You know, when I was selling stoves in Asia door to door, you know, these stoves were literally killing them. It was killing, you know, like 20% of their population were dying basically because of the, the cooking inside with smoke. You know, you'd see all these funerals for men in their 20s dying from heart attack. But if I went in there and I said, your stove is terrible, your fire in your house is terrible, you're killing each yourself, they would say, get out of my house. <laughs> you, know? you, you have to show them something like, look at this stove, you can move it around and it's all this good. You know, you don't criticize what they have. So it's important not to criticize what they're doing uh, and, and to understand what they're doing, to listen to them and to have a beer with them. Um, and to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm obviously, you know, focused on climate change and it's probably not the main issue for, for most people in rural Canada. Um, but farming's an issue and, and there's lots of issues which we, we can solve um, if we, you know, and they do understand how to be steward to their land. Um, but you have to make sure, like if you're putting in a, a, a tax which you know, increases the price of fuel. Well, obviously that's going to hurt the, you know, the people in the city can take a bike or a bus. The people in the country can't, right? So you got to make sure that they're well paid. So, so maybe they're paying way more fuel, and uh, but then to to give them a subsidy, so to give them more money than people in the city get uh, when you you know for the for carbon rebates, um, and to give them you know a pickup truck that runs on wood. Like you want a pickup truck that runs on wood? Well, here you know it's. It's, uh, you know, 5,000 bucks. I mean, I don't know if that's the best solution. I mean, you want to use the, the, the energy from bio, from uh, wood gas is amazing, but I'm not actually suggesting that a lot of people drive the cars on it because it could be danger. Like, if you don't know what you're doing, maybe you could blow yourself up or whatever. Um, but, but uh, you know, basically to listen to that. That's good. Um so we, we've talked about it a bit, but I want to dive a little bit into it before the NBs were almost at the hour mark here in the show. Um, we, I, I want to know, from your perspective, has the Canadian government under Justin Trudeau failed the Canadian residents when it comes to COVID-19? Is there something they could be doing right now instead of what they're doing to make Canadian lives better? Yes, 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 and yes. As I said... Taiwan with 26 million people, nine, between seven and 12 deaths. So they failed, the biggest failure they did was not preparing for this, you know, when, when he first got into power, you know, and, 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 and there's no excuse for that. Now, you know, he's been good in giving rebates to people and, I, and he's done some good stuff. I like, believe, you know, credit's due and, you know, it's good to give credit where credit's due. And as a landlord, I'm sure, I, I don't want to support myself, but I'm sure glad some of my tenants, my tenants got support. Not all of them, but 90% of them. Um, uh, the, but masks, number one. Like, okay, it is hard to get more testing. We need more testing, we need more tracing. I believe everyone's doing their best. It's not good enough, but I do believe that's fine. But when it comes to masks, you know, you give me half a million dollars and I'll go to I, I, I go to uh, China and I'll bring in back a container of masks. I mean, it's actually, it's 300,000. I really looked into it. It's 300,000 for a container of masks from China, you know? I mean, those are those are disposable masks. I think we should do non-disposable masks. They need to give a non-disposable wash. They need to give five non-disposable washable organic masks to every Canadian and it's doable. So they are failing. 
I mean, not as bad as, as the U.S. and other places, but, but uh, you know, we're kind of in the middle. But that means people die, and it means our economy is, is, in, is in big trouble. They did just, the Canadian government did just announce yesterday or this morning, I'm not sure which day it was, that they've hired GM to produce $10 million worth of masks. So do you not think that's enough either? Do you think they need to go to those cloth masks, as you say? Yes. Yeah, they need, they need so we have like roughly 30 million people, 36, I think. So we need um, minimum 100 million cloth masks right away. And we can buy them from China. I mean, you won't be able to get them from organic materials in China. But, you know, even though I'm all for organic cotton and recycled fabric, uh, this is an emergency. And, uh, you know, we can buy new ones, but non-disposable ones are ideal. You can wash. Excellent. Yeah, it's not enough. No. And uh, what about financially? Are, is the Canadian government helping Canadians financially okay? Because I know you are an advocate of the universal basic income. So do you think yeah. that Canada should have moved to a universal basic income first before sending out all these checks to everyone, uh, one group at a time, and they should have just moved right to a universal basic income from day one? Yes. But I mean, my main criticism I think there's something everyone can agree on, so I don't understand why it doesn't happen. For example, if you're getting $2,000 a month now, and then your job says you can hire you, yourself back, I know a lot of people who make less than $2,000 a month, and I know people who who who, who are getting $2,000 a month, and, and because they want to work, they've accepted the job, and now they're making $1,500 a month working rather than having all their free time and making 2000 that is crazy. You're allowed to make a thousand. It should be thousand fine with no penalty. You make fifteen hundred, and then you get you know fifteen hundred from the government. It should be a sliding scale. And the same thing. I don't know about other provinces. The same thing in, in Quebec with welfare. The welfare somebody on welfare in Quebec makes about seven hundred dollars, and I'm not sure what you're allowed. If it's a hundred or four hundred, I forget honestly. But 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 there's this one number, and you get it, and you're cut off. Like I knew people with kids who got a lot of money from welfare because you got kids and he needed to make $35 an hour to to otherwise if he he, he got offers for jobs for for $15 an hour and he said, "Well, I can't take it. I would I'd be poorer." You know, that's insane. And that's the first thing we need to fix one way or another. Yeah. Um, so we are coming up to our hour mark here. Before I go, I do uh, – uh, I, I, in all transparency, I give everyone an hour, but I ask the same last question to everyone before we go. Uh, and I'll ask it to you, Dylan. Dylan, you have two minutes. Pitch yourself and pitch why you should lead the Green Party of Canada and why people should join the party and vote for you. Go. Okay. Well, I believe we can stop climate change. The solutions are there. Biodiesel and biodiesel, that's what I used to do. I still like it. But biochar, if we if we bury 537 trillion tons of biochar, not only do we not have more CO2 in the atmosphere, we go back to pre-industrial levels. We can do this. We just have the guts. We have to look for the best solutions and take it. We can't go down business as usual. People like, like everyone running for the Green Party wants to do good things. Trudeau wants to do good, do, do thing, good things, but they don't have the guts and they don't have the proven track record of finding the incredible 
solutions and doing them. I was the first person to sell hemp in Quebec, first person to sell hemp food in England, first person, I think, to sell organic cotton in Quebec. Cotton kills so many people because of the pesticides. It's ridiculous. Um, I was the first person in, in Canada to run a card vegetable oil. I mean, you know, somebody was doing the 70s, etc. But these solutions exist, but we need somebody with the guts. And anybody can know this, but I'm the one who got out and said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the research. I'm going to buy a diesel car. I'm going to do this. And then I get the publicity and it happens. So we need somebody with a vision. You know, I started studying in, in 1990. I, I, I saw a movie. It was actually quoting, quote, stopping the coming ice age. Um, and it's true, geologically speaking, we're due for another ice age. But it doesn't mean it gets colder now. So I went to university to study. Cause one thing this movie said is, is, is climate is getting more variable. And that kind of hit me. It was like, oh, my God, that sounds right. This is from my experience. So I went to McGill and I studied this stuff. And some of the stuff in that theory was wrong, but most of it was right. But climate was definitely getting more variable. But at the time, people were talking about sea level rise, and nobody was talking about climate uh, variability. And that's probably more important. But again, it's an example of me seeing the future and predicting the future and and and, and then preparing for the future and taking action. And that's when I started seeing, selling people. I could, like, could I, keep on I could keep on researching that and convince people to do change, or I can give people an environmental option, which is not there. So... We need somebody who's got energy, who's charismatic, who comes up with these new ideas, who can reach the, the non-voters, who, who, I mean, we can do it. Why doesn't anybody else think? Why don't we just give a, 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 a courage? I don't care about fundraising. I'll take all the money I get, I'll give it to give masks, and the 25% the Green Party takes, that'll fill the, the I only need to raise $5,000, so I have money. I, I'm green, I don't spend money, so I have it. And I naturally make money because it's fun, and and when I'm and I main reason I make money is because when I make money doing something environmental, people copy me and more things happen, change. Green Party and Lee's, we gotta make change. It's not time to convince and debate and talk. The other people, they're great people, but it's all talk. We need action and we need action now. Awesome. Uh Dylan, I want to thank you very much for this. Uh, for my listeners who are still tuned in, um, I will link Dylan's uh, website address and a link to join the party to potentially vote for Dylan if you wish uh, in the show notes below. So take a gander at his website, reach out to him, and if he has any more information, he'll be happy to answer, I'm assuming. Right, Dylan? Yes, of course. Yes. Awesome. Thanks so much. Great interview. Great Yes, thank you very much. Thank you very much for sitting down and doing this. It's always greatly appreciated to talk to everyone, anyone on the political spectrum and just have a conversation. Great. Appreciate it. And once again, thank you to our guests for coming in and sitting down today. It was greatly appreciated. As I've said in the introduction, this podcast is about having a conversation. I learned a lot in this interview, and I really hope you did too. This podcast couldn't have happened without our listeners. From here in Alberta to across Canada and around the world, I want to take this moment and thank everyone for listening to this podcast. If you haven't already, be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. The links are in the show notes. Or visit our website at www.crossborderinterviews.ca. We will be back here next Saturday with another great episode of the Cross Border Interview Podcast. This podcast is produced and owned by Miranda Brown and Associates. I'm your host, Christopher Brown. Once again, have a safe and hopefully talkative week.